0: this week on trek mary kill shepherds mustaches
1: yahtzee next trek mary kill hi i'm brian and hi i'm Kristen.
0: welcome to trek mary kill the first star trek podcast to be an arbiter of life for individual episodes you don't know what i'm talking about that's a reference to what the shepherds in this episode will be reviewing call a comet that's on a collision course with the planet persephone three an arbiter of life kristen have you ever been an arbiter of life
1: uh i guess in a sense i did have a baby once oh. so i mean i guess <laughs> um in that way sure also one time i did Save my family's, uh, not my family. Sorry, a friend's family's house from possibly being engulfed in flames and them dying inside. So maybe in that sense, yes.
0: Now, had you set in motion the chain of events that threatened no, the house? But oh, I certainly okay. could
1: have just walked
0: away. <laughs> and then you remember that one time they were nice to you, and you were like, Oh, yeah, I'll, right. uh,
1: I'll spare them. This I was mean, like that- twenty years ago, but my friend still says, "Hey, that was really chill of you for." <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thanks for saving my family, <laughs> man. Yeah.
1: yeah I, I found a smoldering fire in a bush and I was like, hey, I was just gonna, I was going over to their house just to drop something off on like the doorstep or something because it was late. But then I'm like, oh, there's like a smoldering fire. It looks like. And, then and I it wasn't the door bush doorbell. was not speaking to you. Yeah. And I rang the doorbell and yeah. his dad was like, oh, my God. <laughs>
0: uh, did, what caused it? Just like someone just fired a like cigarette, cigarette or something? I think just like cigarette. Yeah. Uh, cigarettes.
1: The, you know, the, the that old standby. Yeah.
0: Cigarettes. Terrible. Just, mm-hmm. just terrible. Sorry to all the smokers out there. Yeah. Figure it out. Get over it. Yeah, um,
1: start vaping or something. That's
0: right. This week, we're kicking off a run of episodes that will take us all the way through the 10 episode first season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Uh, our very first Trek Mary Kill was the pilot episode of this show called Strange New Worlds. That was the name of the episode. Months later, we're finally catching up, Kristen. We're going back. Yeah. Episode two, two, uh, Children of the Comet, which premiered on Paramount Plus May 12th, 2022. Remember 2022? Anyway, it was written by... uh, (laughs) Trying to put it in the rearview mirror. It was written by series co-showrunner Henry Alonzo Myers and Sarah Tarkoff, directed by Maya Vervillo. And uh it's basically the Enterprise is observing a comet. Hold on, let me start over. O'Hura oh, mm-hmm. is invited to dine in the captain's cabin. And mm-hmm. when she gets there, she is asked what she wants to where she sees herself in 10 years. And she says, actually, I don't know if I'm gonna even be in Starfleet. And uh it sets up the whole emotional arc of does she belong? Does she even really want to be here? Anyway, and what throws her into the action where she has to kind of set that aside is Enterprise is observing a comet that's passing through this Persephone system. And uh, while they're observing it, they notice that its trajectory is taking it very close to Persephone 3. They launch a probe to try to, or, to redirect it. And the, and the comet throws up a shield. Oh, my gosh. The shield, <laughs> this comet's not just any old comet. No. It's, uh, it's got a fate, a destiny uh, in this system, and it's being uh, escorted essentially through its fate by these other aliens called the Shepherds who think the Enterprise interfering with its destiny is uh, what, um, uh, a heresy, her- heretical. They're trying to, yeah. you know, the this thing called Mahanit is uh, what they call the comet. It's not just a comet. It's an arbiter of life. Anyway, after the Shepherds are called, the, the Shepherds call the Enterprise after... A landing party involving Spock, La'on, Captain Kirk's brother, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Ohura, because she's the cadet on the landing party rotation, which apparently has no uh, exceptions. So <laughs> just next landing party doesn't matter. Doesn't matter yeah. how dire the situation. I
1: spin a it. wheel and then, <laughs> sorry, not, they don't, they're not like, hey, maybe there's some kind of expertise one person might lend to this. Right.
0: So they're, they're stuck on the comet and the enterprise is dealing with these shepherds and in the, in the middle of it, the jeopardy of colliding with the planet is there. And uh, I'm just going to spoil the ending. The resolve is that this was all part of the plan for the enterprise to interfere um, and split off a part of the comet, which, which the ice on the comet melts and hits the atmosphere of this planet, basically ending their global drought. So it mm-hmm. like reseeds the planet with life and the shepherds mm-hmm. are pleased. This is its fate. Um, and Ohura learns a lesson about how she's valuable and should stick around Starfleet. I mm-hmm. apologize if that's murky. I, I have had some wine before this episode, but <laughs> Hey, no problems. So it has kind of a nice star Trekky ending where the enterprise is like, very much scientifically we have to do something about this dire situation Mm -hmm. you know non-interference like we don't beam down and mess around with cultures but if we see a a planet potentially being destroyed we'll interfere then which is fine that that makes sense to me um but i like the twist it's not really a twist because it could still could gone either way but just the idea that like these shepherds are like whatever will be will be it's not our place to interfere but we want to make sure no one interferes with Mm mahonit and um and uh, that was kind of neat. I kind of thought that the Enterprise it winds up winds up working completely against them, but it still winds up working out for everybody. Just that lesson of like you you can't you can't know everything, right? You can't control the future. Mm-hmm. It's kind of there. And then the other part of it was Ohura, the character in the original series, because it's Michelle Nichols. She sings and like that's part of her character. It's very briefly shown in the original series, and here they decided to make it front and center to the point where her humming unlocks the series of events that gets us. To... So we have a scene where Ohura and Spock are singing in this cavern around this golden egg, which is ridiculous visual, but it was still kind of a nice moment. I could see in the original series Spock being forced to sing and just mm-hmm. doing it. It would make sense to me. But uh, Kristen, w- without tipping your hand of any grades or your final grade, uh, any anything in particular that jumped out at you that you want to talk about?
1: <laughs> well, so... I have we have seen the episode directly before this, the first episode, and I feel like this is like a such a huge jump from that episode. Like we're thrown into this episode expecting to know absolutely what everyone's name is. Like no one is reintroduced except Ahura, Ahura which everyone knows anyway. So I feel like that's kind of silly. I don't know. It's just like it's 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 kind of a leap. I think. From the first episode to the next one. I mean, and we get uh, reminded at one point that, oh, there's some continuing story here in a very ham-fisted way, which I'll get into later. Yeah, I thought it was, I don't know. it's, It's a tough second episode. Like, I wonder if they meant this to be the second episode.
0: So second episodes, second episodes are sometimes harder than the first episode. First episode, you also have a lot more time in your favor. You know, yeah. you have months or years uh, to put them together to make them work. And the second episode, you just got to like get into it and do it. And there's actually even um, when this orders used to be longer, 22, 26 episodes, they they kind of the conventional wisdom for the industry was that the your first four episodes were basically the pilot told in different ways. You're kind, yeah. of, a, you're kind of prepping the audience for what the show is every time. And I totally agree with you that there's they're relying a lot on the previously on to kind of catch you up oh to some gosh, of it so much. Yeah. So Pike has this overarching thing of he's seen his future. And in this episode, we learn a little bit more about that. He actually knows the names of the people he saves that puts him in uh, incapacitated state for the rest of his life or, you know, his doom. And uh, I'll get into that later. Cause I have a lot of issues with that idea, but <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that he has this no I said in the fir, in our first episode, I like that this is like his thing for the series or at least the first season that he yeah. has to deal with. I like Yeah, that. there's
1: like a, a thing. Yeah, it's an overarching uh, like yeah. that's a character arc thing, and I'm totally fine with that. So I think like
0: the out of the parts I liked for the story, I think then what they they there really isn't much to the story. There's a comet, they think it's gonna hit the planet, they try to make it stop. And it turns out there's people who want to make sure the comet completes its fate. And at the end, it all works out like that's the kind of the bare bones <laughs> beat. So how do you build the conflict around that or what's interesting about it? And so and that's why I think in this case, this is attempting not a repilot. It's not a second pilot. It's not the pilot again. It's um, but it is kind of like a tonal pilot. This is definitely them saying this is the version, the type of Star Trek we're going to do. This is very much like what our new, what our house style is. We gave you kind of a taste of it with Strange with the first episode, like how we're going to talk, what we're going to focus on. And then this episode, they're very much like this is what's important to us writing the show. We care that about Ohura moping. About what she's gonna do, we care that everyone's ready to make a joke and that there's no like formal structure. That we're all just friends, we're all fond of each other, and we're just hanging out. And uh, I think that was the it's like a vibe pilot that they are trying to do in this episode.
1: Yeah, I think it's like trying to establish the characters and their relationships to each other. But I think that it's like kind of just it was kind I don't know just very jolt. From the first episode to this one, I think, is a little bit of a jolt for me.
0: So second episodes in Star Trek, even have kind of a tendency to be unmemorable, or mm-hmm. they're not ones you'd be interested in. Just like let's go through them. The original series, Charlie X, Next Generation, The Naked Now, which is literally a re remake of The Naked Time from the original series. Uh Deep Space Nine, A Man Alone. Kristen, I don't think you would guess. If someone had bet me said they'd give me $5,000 if I could say what the second episode of Deep Space Nine was, I would have lost $5,000. Odo is accused of murdering a Bajoran, and Keiko O'Brien wants to open a school. That's what the second episode of Deep Space Nine is. The second episode of Voyager, they're stuck in the Delta Quadrant, called Parallax. The crew runs into a quantum singularity and discovers a trapped ship, but during rescue attempts they realize that the ship in Jeopardy is their own. Okay? Yes? (laughs) Okay, I guess that's like on theme for the series. The so Star Trek Enterprise. Remember, this is humans humanity's first foray into deep space. The crew it's called fight or flight. The crew encounters an abandoned ship containing fifteen alien corpses that were part of a scientific experiment. Okay, I don't remember that one. And then all the new ones I, they're all like serialized. It's kind of hard to say mm-hmm. um, what. Although for us technically with Discovery, the second episode yeah. is just part two. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, So anyway, it's like they're kind of not designed to be memorable, but because even the writers don't, the people making the show don't get the show fully yet. They really are like uh, the show with training wheels on in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways. Or what's a more, what's a, it's like a training level um, (laughs) on a video game where you can just screw up and do whatever.
1: (laughs) To like learn the controls.
0: Yeah, learn how much can we bend this? What shape, if you think of it as as putty or something, what or metal? What can we bend this into in a way that doesn't break it or makes it work or look good? So it's about tuning it out. So to that end, I need to just get into. <laughs> I guess before the before the um, the grades, a lot of this episode felt like marketing edicts, and I'll point out. That a lot of this episode was actually used to market the show. Like a lot of lines and scenes from from this particular episode was used to sell the show uh, in trailers and other commercials. So,
1: well, what I will say, is that <laughs> I in a million years, I don't think I'd ever come up with the idea to have a satiate, uh comet. That's protected by a bunch of space monks. I did not. I never in my my wildest dream would have come up with that. So, so that, that's why I like yeah. Look, Yes, I never. So I so like hey, that. On the
0: second <laughs> episode, they got it. Also, a lot of people really like this episode. A lot of longtime Star Trek fans. A lot of people There's some really good liked it.
1: Stuff about it, and I'll get into that. Yes. but
0: um, I, I just want to just say though, the other the final part of this is. There's just um, there's this idea called schmuck bait. <laughs>
1: OK, and
0: uh, it's basically the idea of, you know, you're trying to trick the audience by shocking them with something that only a schmuck could believe, um, mm-hmm. like just some. And and in this one, it's it's uh, after the captain's dinner or the and then uh, he's washing he's drying dishes. I oh know. Oh, my God. Oh, my,
1: oh my God. God. I wrote uh, that down. I can't believe uh, people have to wash dishes by hand. Yes, there's the that part it's of like, it. It's, it's that is the most unbelievable part. I'll believe the the that is a is a godlike being or whatever. But the, the washing dishes by hand and drying after a dinner party. No, I'm
0: putting a pause in the in the schmuck bait. Come back to this. Can we talk about the captain's dinner? The whole the whole thing.
1: Oh no, I have I have, I have I'm talking about a lot of it in the okay. okay well, then so, then
0: we'll hold it. We'll hold on. To yeah. This so the
1: fish <laughs> is not on schmuck bait.
0: The the schmuck is they're cleaning the dishes and then he gets a message from Spock, Pike does. And it's like, uh, there's a problem with the comet that we've been observing. And then the next shot is a VFX of the comet sprinting past us on the screen and colliding with the planet. And then the planet exploding in a way it wouldn't. Uh Um, And then it, and then the, the planet reforms and the comet zips back and we see that they've been watching a simulation on the view screen. That was only for us. Because we're the dum-dum-bum-bums dumb bum watching the show. We're the little babies that have to get excited about stuff. And it was so stupid to follow what was an incredibly, <laughs> profoundly stupid
1: sequence in well, the yeah, thing. Because they're like, there's something wrong with the pro- the comment. And then we, I see this, I'm like, well, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> the comment's gone. <laughs> so you, unders- you undersold that one, Spock. <laughs> Well, Sarah just plowed the a planet. You are busy doing dishes. When we talked
0: about rosa yeah, that's right. <laughs> you were the Two highest-ranking
1: officers on the ship were were drying, washing dishes
0: yeah. <laughs> on a ship with replicators. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the report to Starfleet. And uh, yeah. you were where? i was washing wow. dishes yeah uh why i had a dinner with the crew oh your senior staff no some cadets we razzed for no reason yeah because we like to abuse our power uh, yeah okay but the planet's gone yes but the <laughs> cadet the cadets been humbled yes oh good okay <laughs> so just so stupid the schmuck bait and i that's why i'm like i feel like It's hard for me to figure out the reasoning for that because it seems to me the most logical situation would have been to like start the show with. We are making preparations to alter the trajectory of this comet, which is on a collision course with Persephone 3. And while we make the preparations, I'm going to this dinner or whatever. And then the conclusion of that is not a call to the bridge for urgency, but everyone's had their dinner and now they're going to go watch them move the comet. And when they launch the thing that they've been planning, I don't know what's... It, planning something is just as smart as coming up with random techno babble bullshit in the moment, to me. But anyway, then they they have their dinner, their belly's full. They watch these ion rockets try to deflect. They're full the of alcohol too, by the way. Yeah, and then and then it bounces off, and you still get your act out. But you need the extra beat of excitement jolt, and that's where I think I'm not. I'm laying off the writers here, not only because it's the second episode, but by all accounts, the the Paramount people are are very hands on. And so they're probably Mm -hmm. like, we need something exciting to happen here.
1: Yeah, we need a visual. Yeah.
0: Before something exciting happens, we need something exciting Mm -hmm. to happen. So
1: (laughs) we need (laughs) people to know that this is serious. Yes,
0: exactly. So, but it's still a thing where it's like very much like they are, it's not even pandering. It's kind of insulting, I think, to the audience to do stuff like that, but also how they get into the dinner. Let's get into the dinner, but by getting into the grades.
1: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. Great scenes. So. Well, you know, I have some stuff here. So. Cadet Uhura is invited to this dinner. And as a way of. uh, Hazing her. They tell her, oh, you have to wear your dress uniform. And she shows up and she's the only one like dressed like that. But Brian, if Anson Mount invited you over for dinner, wouldn't you wear the nicest thing you had? I don't see what where the hazing is. Everyone else looks like an idiot.
0: Yeah, I I mean it's uh it's Ortegas who's the one that does the prank.
1: Yeah, which she's is wearing like, a freaking crop top. Yeah, I'm so which I'm is
0: ridiculous. ridiculous. If Antimount invited me over, yes, I'd be extremely well dressed, like a nice one, not like a you know one you'd wear out, one you'd wear to like the gym. So two parts to this, Kristen. One she's not the only one wearing a uniform at this dinner. Yeah. She's wearing like the fancy one. She's wearing the slightly fancier uniform dress uniform. And it's Pike chapel and, and Ortega. are the only ones wearing their regular clothes Mm -hmm. and they're not even that nice. Sorry folks. Sorry. Costumer on star Trek changing worlds. Um, Anyway, (laughs) that looked like a Lululemon shirt that uh, Pike, what Antimount was wearing anyway. Then the other part of it is Ortega's, Lieutenant Ortega's hazing a cadet seems just like it, it it serves to undermine that character. I think like, why would you take the time to do that? Like, is it fun? I guess. All right. But yeah, it it felt flat to me. It just felt like this is what friends do to each other to raz each other. Oh, the new guy. But it's like, well, Lieutenant and a cadet, it's not like they're on the same level anyway.
1: One time I showed up to a party in a Halloween costume and I told everyone that the host told me it was a costume party. And so everyone just thought he was an asshole all night. Was that the truth? No, I I just did it to make him look like an asshole. (laughs) So I wore a witch costume the whole night. It wasn't October, but it was like early October.
0: Was this before or after you saved their house from burning down?
1: Different person. (laughs) (laughs) Same
0: night. Funny. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Something was in the air. Um, Okay. So, so that you like that
1: beat? (laughs) No, I'm just saying like, if you're going to play a prank on someone. Okay. Maybe think it out a little bit more than I'll just make them dress up a little slightly nicer than some people. So so this is the theme or something.
0: So this is the first go with it. I like that idea better. So this is the first just wave your hand, go with it, that they're asking of us. Just go with it that that a uh, lieutenant would haze a cadet who cares okay fine i'm just marking that down that's the first or say like
1: you have to bring a very specific dish that's really difficult or like really annoying or fussy to make or something i like and that then then, then you're yeah. like oh haha joke yeah
0: any other great scenes i have no great scenes
1: oh okay yes um so <laughs> um i did put the hand washing the dishes part although not a great scene but something i wanted to mention um does diverting the comet is that against the prime directive in your opinion no i don't think
0: it is that's what i was saying like i think because they're
1: doing it they would be doing it in space and they don't have to like go okay unlike in discovery when they like go to the planet to like fix their well or something
0: right and so to me it's kind of like yeah, that to me, that seems and like a, a clearer crop,
1: violation. A crop um, circle.
0: Right. Or okay. if it's like a Voyager situation where they accidentally caused the thing that was going to happen, I could see fixing that, like going down and fixing the well. You know, like that could be a thing. But yeah, generally speaking, I think even they are like, yes, we're scientists and it's observing, but mm-hmm. it's within our power to do something about it. Why wouldn't we? Is, yeah, that's. I think that's fine. I, what I do think is it must have introduced a whole new line of philosophy in, um, you know, human culture of like you basically do have the power of God in some in in this new way. And uh, what are the implications of that? What does that mean? That kind of stuff. And I'm sure scientists get to study like what was the trajectory of this civilization at when they're due to meet their doom. Did did this event um is this is a you know it's like a lot of people getting into moral quandaries well we save this comet and then a thousand years later they're now this terrible race that like you know
1: yeah, has won- but...
0: you know what i mean like mm-hmm. that would be an interesting episode or, or idea to get into like discoveries taking place in the year 3000 it might be interesting for them to go back and look at like persephone 3 or other things and say like because the federation saved uh-huh. them at some point what happened with that
1: they became well, a bunch of space nazis or something yeah exactly but I mean, that, that's I mean, they seem being, like, really far thing. from getting warp technology though
0: yeah so that's an interesting part of this episode that i didn't mention is that we do get a couple of cutaways down on the planet of like a real uh, of
1: a few, yeah and it doesn't uh, look the like they, they have any yeah. kind of like telescopes to even know that the comet is going to hit them or any or any like technology so i guess okay
0: yeah they're very very unadvanced very far down the developmental chain and also it's it's just whatever they could afford to put together like the number of people in the makeup and the -hmm. the village props and i thought the wardrobe for the villagers was actually interesting i also thought the makeup was great yeah, And um, and I like the scope, like even involving that. But to me, it's one of those things where it's just enough to go. This could have been more like uh-huh. the bad version, but slightly better, I think, than what we got was instead of a mom and daughter just walking together and the mom looking up and looking worried is what if it's a family and we're following this one family and like we see their struggle, you know what I mean, About how mm-hmm. hard it is to live there because there's no water. You know, just something like that to amp it up. Otherwise, get rid of it. Why? Why do we need it? I think it's because they're probably used to tell, seeing Star Trek stories where we don't see those inhabitants. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Keep going.
1: Okay. So, um, also Spock's attempts at pep talks <laughs> on the comment. Um, I liked it. I thought it was very Spock. Um, him working on Pup talks, but then just sounding like it's okay. You won't die of this one thing. Cause we already know you can't step here. So, Hey, look on the bright side. Our colleague is dying. Um, <laughs> and also I thought that the visuals and also the, like the visuals and the audio inside the cave were really interesting to me. And I like
0: kept, I was impressed by them. Well, that was, they're standing on the,
1: the VR wall though yeah i don't have show. a problem with virtual sets at all
0: i don't usually either but it's sort of like you're kind of in the situation where it helps you a lot when when the uh when her singing causes the all the lighting effects to happen and the lights reflecting off the real skin it looks incredible yeah but it's also the like actors you're very tend to
1: really like that too
0: yes yeah <laughs> and uh, because they, it's cause they look amazing because yes. no, well, it's, cause
1: it's <laughs> easier to react to something than on a virtual absolutely wall versus like a green screen would be the other option absolutely it's a green screen versus a virtual uh screen then i'm fine with it
0: it's also just a situation where at least in strange new worlds it's still they're not doing a lot with it like it's very static in a lot of ways and so it kind of makes it less interesting um but i mean yes i like the singing so i like that part of it for sure
1: and also my. my last one so the starship or sorry the enterprise crew keep calling those shepherds space monks and that it has to be a dig at the star wars and the jedi like that cannot be anything else in my opinion and i think well that's funny.
0: tough because they they are star or wars. a few for them
1: as like like because they called them um what was it Z- over like zealots and everything like that is kind of what Jedi are known to be is like these overzealous, overzealous space monks who have are space wizards or whatever. Well, should
0: They're we like call super that religious
1: a... and <laughs> are not necessarily good?
0: <laughs> well, should we call that also a best Trek trope because it's sure. anti-religion, which is very Roddenberry. Sure. <laughs> um, naming evasive maneuvers after one of our characters, mm-hmm. so Ortega has our own sort of. Yeah off-script line of uh, evasive maneuvers. I liked that. I like Ortega's. So I like her look. I like the spunk of the actor playing her.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't think that in season one, they do anything interesting with her. So that's that's like an enormous credit to the actor whose name I'm completely blanking on. I want to say it's Melissa... Melissa Navia. That is the name of the the (laughs) Ortega. Credit to her though for like, it's all, it's all her charisma and charm. That's, that's carrying it across. So I, I like that. And then I also liked. (laughs) No, (laughs) I liked the Trek trope of the tragic family histories for one of our main Mm. characters.
1: Um,
0: So just to run, I'm going to do a rundown of all the next generation crew. And then I'm going to, say what she says for the audience who's only listening to our show and didn't watch the episode. So Picard has a, ha- a harsh dad or brother. And we learned in season two, his mom committed suicide because she was mentally unstable in the 23rd century, uh-huh. uh 24th century. Uh Riker ha- is estranged from his father. His dad was like a womanizer who ran off on him. Troy has a dead dad. Wesley Crusher has a dead dad. Beverly Crusher has a dead husband. Um, tasha yar grew up on a planet with rape gangs and violence sectarian violence um and then data is kind of orphaned too right and he has an evil twin Mm -hmm. brother uh so ohura explains that both of her parents died in a shuttle accident her brother too (laughs) and they they, they, they... yeah she kind of adds the brother on as a afterthought I wonder if the full line that they had to cut my time whole family. Yeah. The whole, they cut for time. My aunt and uncle were piloting the shuttle. It crashed into my grandmother's house where she and my grandfather and all my cousins well, were she was for raised them. By her,
1: one of her grandmothers. So maybe okay. the other one. The other one well. yeah.
0: <laughs> it was just such a sad sob story. by the way, the second episode of strange new worlds in a row where someone just decides to keep has on, on, on the spot, their tragic family backstory. It was mm-hmm. on in the previous episode. It's O'Hara in this one. Um, I think in the next one we get someone else's as well. That'll that'll be fun.
1: I've okay, so I've been in my current job for like seven years. I don't know any tragic backstory of any of my coworkers.
0: <laughs> also, someone at at dinner where you were invited by the boss to their condo, which is basically what happens. And um, yeah. And he's like, hey, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And she's like, actually, I just took a spot from people who really wanted to be here because I didn't know what I wanted to do.
1: It's Uh-oh. just its just jarring. <laughs> Can we talk about when he's like, where do you see yourself in 10? And then he realizes that he's not going to be around. And he's basically, like, literally, like, yes, right. 10 years. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like he was hit with, with a bus. Like, it is so over the head. And I... I put that actually in, um, worst, but, um, we're mentioning it now, but yes, the, uh, the gulp. Okay. Listeners,
0: we're breaking up this, this dinner scene quite a lot and all these little things, but I swear to you, if you want the full thing, we'll get to, (laughs) if it's not done by, we'll talk about the whole dinner. That dinner is absolutely wild. It made me think a lot of things. Um, okay. Do you have any other Trek tropes? Best Trek tropes? Okay, yes.
1: Um, Uhura is doing the homework again. So she speaks 37 languages. I also like that linguistics and anthropology kind of come into it, although it turns out not really. Um, Well, when the anthropologist is just a dude or a bro, it kind of Zeno anthropology is. uh, Yeah. I mean, yeah, but like her, she's her linguistics do come in handy. And of course she starts singing Kenyan folk songs. Coming um, to be clear yes
0: yeah um i'm not sure how that ties in with her knowing all the languages right if it just comes down to her singing but i get it yeah. i understand like we don't get we never see any of the symbols i don't remember seeing any of the symbols <laughs> i think they were on that egg thing yeah that we kind of just get a glimpse of but there's never any I mean, she does but then no she does kind of shots. figured
1: out after they get back to the ship yes uh
0: so in the history so I don't know if it's a best trek trope i just think they missed a best trek trope so you have a time element to this the the comet's going to collide with persephone 3 at some point obviously
1: in like a day and a half or something yeah
0: before they beam onto the comet nurse chapel gives them all a shot. by the
1: way she's like the most unprofessional person on the enterprise
0: that's a, should we do that power ranking right now of professionalism? Cause they kind of all seem like they're she's, tied for last. So.
1: Well, she, remember in the first episode, she lets those gut, lets those basically kidnappees run loose on the ship. Remember? Yeah. And then this one, she's flirting with Spock before he goes on this death, death you know, this suicide mission essentially. <laughs> Well, I mean, but, it's
0: beaming onto a comet. Yeah, it's not an it's not a it, normal you be thing that they're flirting with yeah. somebody
1: yeah. when you're going. And I think almost everyone knows he's you know not betrothed to someone, right?
0: Right. Yeah. Uh,
1: no, yeah. it's just not something you should say to a coworker before they're going to be going when you're giving them an injection.
0: And of course, it's got to be super painful so that you can it's like a, a, it's a very childish thing like all shots are painful and scary yeah. the audience will relate you bum bum dum dum
1: yeah like it's basically a, he says shot. i can handle it don't worry about something like that i can handle whatever you have or something and then she's like "Ooh, yeah i'm getting I, me I, excited now i'm like <laughs> that is so fucking inappropriate nurse church or whatever what's her name sorry
0: chapel Chapel. christine chapel <laughs> yeah was so Church. i was Church.
1: right there yeah,
0: you're in the right ballpark there. Yeah. yeah some
1: <laughs> of the house of worship okay. that's right
0: you were in the vatican city that's right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> they but they missed kind of they missed it or they forgot that they had set this ticking clock so you've got the comet collision and then she gives them the shot and she says the comet is being bombarded by a ridiculously high amount of cosmic ray, super professional <laughs> yeah. it's ridiculously high how high
1: ridiculously high. Like you want to be uh, more precise yes. nurse it's, it's,
0: suffice it to say she's giving them an inoculation or anti-radiation medicine mm-hmm. that will last two hours probably just
1: iodine honestly yeah but, it's, okay
0: it's two hours is what she says that never gets brought up again so i think they inserted that and and didn't have the money or time to drop that back in because the trope, the great trope should have been they beam onto the, the egg. And of course, because uh, Sam Kirk's a bro, he's just going around touching everything and it, and it causes the egg to lash out at him and knock him out. And they need to get back to the enterprise. That's kind of the jeopardy. And then, but it, then it just causes Spock and the to stand around and hope Uhura figures it out how to, <laughs> how to look at the symbols and convince the egg to lower the shield so they can beam back to the enterprise. Where it seems like what they in every other Star Trek, in the history of Star Trek, what would have happened is like Kirk would have been caught in like the space equivalent of like a bear trap or stepped on a mine or been stuck in something that would have necessitated Laon and Spock having to be there with him, trying to help him. Or all three of them could have been stuck. I don't care. And it would have forced Ohara to kind of work alone in a way that was more organic and highlighting the urgency so they have the radiation idea but it gets dropped and doesn't go anywhere so i just think they missed a great trope because i would have mm-hmm. loved to have seen yeah, spock like stuck in the wall <laughs> and being like trying to g- give a pep talk when he can't move but that would have been fun i would have liked that shall we move on to
1: worst track tropes <laughs> oh god yes okay <laughs> the comet has shields It only activates them when you fire at it. Otherwise, so that they can beam to the comet. Otherwise, you wouldn't have an episode. So, like, that's a little eh for me. Mm. Because we all know you can't beam through shields. Right. Or force field, whatever it is in this case. But you have to for the plot. Because you can just strand them somewhere.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can kind of say acknowledge that it's like any projectile of a certain size and velocity it just knows to repel so mm-hmm. nothing knocks it off its course. There's part of me that I can kind of see and that makes sense. But yes, it's very convenient because then you've got the shield, yeah. the the beaming thing. Speaking of shields, though, that's one of my worst Trek tropes, calling out shield percentages.
1: Yes, yes, I did that. I, I, I noticed that. It
0: means, listen,
1: as, it a, means as, a,
0: yeah, as a 12 or 14 year old, loved it. This, But now as an adult, I'm like, what does that mean?
1: <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And he's like, oh, we can handle a few more hits.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, 70 is less than 100. I understand that. But if one hit or one barrage takes out 30% of your shields, you're not lasting in that fight very long. Yeah. So why why put yourself in that position where I think it's kind of scarier not knowing as the audience member, like, well, how much time do they have? How long can they hang in this fight? And it's like the percentages are like a weird clock on it. Anyway. Um, I also have the Nausicaan, uh, Pike is trying to relate to Ahura who's the, the, the conceit is that she's a cadet and all cadets when they're on starships rotate through all the departments. Mm-hmm. So now she's on the landing party rotation, which might be security could be security. I, I don't remember. She just said that she's on the landing party rotation mm-hmm. in her log, which was Okay. So Pike is relaying when he was on his security rotation and they were, for some reason, chasing after a Nausicaan. So my worst Trek trope is using a recognizable alien tough guy to contrast whatever is being discussed. (laughs) So in this case, it's like we were the security team and we were chasing this super tough guy. But then this funny thing happened. And even in that situation, in this case, I think the Nausicaan was drunk and was running with his pants around his ankles or something. I honestly... Yeah. tuned out at that yeah. point i'm i don't i
1: don't remember, there, so the, let's, I don't uh, remember yeah. the fake anecdote Here's that has nothing there, no yes. considerate nothing to do with something else
0: yes I, i'm gonna hold it we're so close to the most of its time quality. So i'm just gonna hold that dinner scene man god god damn it yeah <laughs> any other worst trek tropes no i think it's in a different oh. category I think. just for mine for like the nausicaan being the guy it's like why couldn't you say like so we're chasing this guy like, what does it matter if it's a Nausicaan? Because mm-hmm. it's oh, it's a it's a science fiction show. It's just it's it was it's at least like, it wasn't a Klingon. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. But also, Nausicaan, to be a nerd that's that belongs to the next generation. <laughs>
1: um I <they> haven't discovered. <laughs> I mean, not yet? Ex-
0: not exclusively, but it's sort of like if everything is everything at all times, then yeah, what's excuse the
1: excuse me? Yes, <laughs> sorry. sorry,
0: sorry to be pedantic, but uh, could there be dis- <laughs> does. <laughs> Is, uh, is Star Trek encyclopedia accessible to all eras then what's the point of the eras um, anyway most oh wait am I saying it or not? most
1: of it's time quality <laughs> I put the crop top um, you know wearing the crop top at the captain's table that's um, very of it's time like crop tops had a moment in 2022 um, and can we also... admit that
0: Ortega's entire
1: look is of its time. Absolutely. The haircut. 100%. Provide, she looks like yeah. a fake influencer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like a fake fitness influencer or something. And also some of the dialogue. And I think I I wrote it down. I think it was, I think we pissed them off and things like that. Yeah. So I was reading, um... and of course the hair, I mean, obviously it's yes. always the hair. Yes. Now,
0: um, people who watch Strange New World Season 1 will, right now we're in the normal hair, we're kind of in the poofy, but still kind of recognizably normal hair zone with yeah. Anson Mount. But Kristen, oh, yeah. but like, I with, promise with, you, with it's going to get wild.
1: Characters. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay.
0: Pikes in particular is going to get wild. Oh, so. boy.
1: <laughs> Dude, that was like, a, I'm not getting a haircut during the pandemic, so therefore. <laughs> it's
0: going just, up. Yeah. <laughs> we're stacking it. Um, I, I think what you said, the dialogue, but for pretty much every character, it's anachronistic, but I was, I went back, I did, I did some research cause I just didn't want to take a, just be a sourpuss this entire episode. And I just have to admit, like, this is a thing that separates me, I guess, from most people. I don't like every character talking exactly the same as though they're on Twitter or they're just talking with their buddies. Mm-hmm. in 2022 uh, every character sounding exactly the same having the same level or quip style It's just it's annoying yeah i
1: think like spock obviously doesn't have that and also uhura doesn't have that but everyone else does everyone also, else is like
0: she, yeah but her phrasing is sort of like maybe we don't touch things anymore uh just as you know though
1: yeah it's not as as like
0: yeah. noticeable in my opinion what do I mean though I wrote down all the lines that made me perk up and go mm, I'm so old and grumpy for some reason um Hemmer uh we meet we didn't mention this we meet the enterprise's chief engineer and anar uh which is an offshoot of the andorian species this is discovered in enterprise so he's um blind but he has mm-hmm. all his other senten- senses senses heightened he's played by an actually legally blind actor as well mm-hmm. and I that's good yeah and uh so we meet him and and after he and ohura have an exchange which begins with her offending
1: him uh (laughs) ever ignorant offering to help him chop because he is chopping uh some carrots or whatever with a knife
0: right because again they're on the enterprise and the chief engineer of a futuristic space vessel still sees the the value in
1: returning to the old ways (laughs) chopping if i could (laughs) never chop another onion again in my entire life but still eat onions i would do it there's no reason to go back to that i guess this is like one of those like people who like cook for fun and like as a hobby versus me who has to do it to like actually eat yeah um
0: but it's like i've done the blue apron thing
1: but like i don't need to yeah like if i just had like a meal ready for me every day that tasted as good as it would if i made it then i would be very pleased i would never Go back to chopping shit ever again. That's the worst part. Well, the worst part's doing the dishes, and they're doing yes. that too, which is f-ing insane. It's like Marie Antoinette. Have you been to um, Versailles by chance? No, I have not. Okay, she created a peasant village where she and her friends would play peasant, and they oh, would God. like milk, like not kind of milk cows, but not really. And like hatch their own chickens and they would dress up like what they thought peasants dressed like, which is not how they dressed. And they were just like play in this little peasant village. And that is kind of I mean, it's not to the same extent, but it's like, oh, let's slum it for a little while. <laughs> like, let's do the dishes by hand. Who cares? It wastes a bunch of water. And we, you know, we're the two most senior officers on the ship. Like, why should we be doing dishes? But it, it reeks of that like very much. We're going to do it in the old ways for no reason at all.
0: Okay. We're getting so close. We're getting right up to just discussing why is this dinner scene in here? Why do, why <laughs> was this what they landed on? But I'm going to hold off still. I got to say these okay. lines. That, okay. Wait, okay. by the way, quick question. Was any of that stuff in the Marie Antoinette movie? Yes. Okay. Maybe the, we'll the, the, actual peasant, the actual peasant okay.
1: village is there. And she, that part is pretty accurate where she would just kind of, have these special dresses made and she wore these stupid little hats and like she would even do like little plays she would like put together little plays where she was like a shepherdess and this whole village is built and like if you look in it does have like what looks look to me because you can't actually go in you can just look in that looks like it literally has like marble floors which would have been completely ridiculous in a peasant village and this is when people are like literally starving I like her.
0: That's what Hemmer's. <laughs> that's what Hemmer says after he's. they have this whole conversation that starts with him being offended. <laughs> Pike, after they come up with the quick plan to deflect the comet, he does the little side, he covers his mouth, and he whispers to number one, I love this job. Yeah. And then O'Hara beams a bo- on the comet, and she goes, I'm standing on the surface of a comet. And then...
1: Um, oh, by the way, can we talk about how they, like, totally stole a scene from Armageddon. They're all in the spacesuits going to the comet.
0: Yeah. It looks exactly I mean, the
1: same. Like this is the plot from Armageddon, but okay.
0: One of the hallmarks of the new Star Trek is, is recognizing doing the Leo DiCaprio pointing to all the, <laughs> all the stuff <laughs> they rip off every sec- every bit. That was one for sure. Um, although it's tough because you've got like the right stuff. You've got like classic things of astronauts going to work. It's kind of hard. I see what you're saying. I, I'm, that's like one of those where I'm like, I'm less annoyed by, but I, I see your point anyway.
1: But Star oh, Trek. Why do we need yeah. the shots of beauty shots of astronauts going to work? That's what they do all the time. That's true, too. That's their whole life.
0: So after O'Hara talked about how uh, her family all died in the shuttle accident, which collided into a guy who was two days away from retirement and whatever, <laughs> whatever her sob story was. Um, but she then bleeds into, but my mom was in Starfleet when she was younger. And I thought, well, since everybody's dead, I guess I'll kind of try to honor them maybe and go to Starfleet. I don't know. I'm just so brilliant and smart. I guess I'm just here to be here, but I don't know if I want to be here for very long. Pike goes, that is an impressive and heartbreaking story, cadet. (laughs) It's like, this is why I see it's of its time quality. I'm like, no person would say that, but a TV show written today, they would say that um i already said oheras oh, maybe we don't touch anything else just a suggestion i think pike also says i like this plan this is a good plan very yeah, reminiscent of Ghost, i love this plan yeah, yeah. very reminiscent of ghostbusters like,
1: i believe there's literally that same line although i guess this would have come out first but that would have probably been in production
0: Well, when the Shepherds announce who they are, they say, we are the Shepherds. And Pike goes, really? Uh, I have a big red flag anytime someone says really. Mm -hmm. If you hear anything in film or television where someone is saying "Really?" really, and they're trying to use it as like a punchline, it is the hallmark of someone who did not think of something better.
1: It's like those BuzzFeed headlines where they're yes, like... Yes, yes, it's BuzzFeed! do oh, it such oh much god. because of course. And I, yes. th- I, I hate that. Or, or like, and it's honestly too much. Like, that's not a headline.
0: You have unlocked the whole thing for me. <laughs> this is the BuzzFeed generation getting their crack at writing because television. Oh my god. Oh, it's like a weight just got lifted off my I used chest. to write
1: headlines for my school newspaper, and it was the most fun part of the job because I, I went more of the, of the New York Post... <laughs> than, than, uh, because honestly, it's too much um, way.
0: So then the Shepherds say Mahanit is one of the arbiters of life. And then Pike says, OK, so it's on top of the lines. If, if you're fine with the lines, fine. I The sentiment behind them is, so what is Pike's deal here? He's very close minded. Like he's not just accepting the information, right? He's being very judgy, very judgmental. Uh, He can't believe that the universal translator translated their name as the shepherds because he can't believe it. But why? Why in that moment? They're shepherding the comet. He doesn't know what their intentions are. Um, And then when they say it's one of the arbiters of life, he's not curious. Okay, in the modern parlance is like you're just listening to someone speak and you're acknowledging that you've heard them speak and you're waiting to talk next. That is how in 2022, someone says something that's very specific and you just say, okay. That means you're not engaging with them. I'm sorry, it's just not in human, in, in drama, in, let alone human nature. It just stops everything dead. So you are not, it's not a dialogue. It's just, um, yeah, it's, it's BuzzFeed article writing. Good God. Thanks, Kristen. <laughs> yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm happy to know. And not
1: even articles, just a list of something or like a bunch of tweets. Yeah. Maybe
0: don't take your foot off the gas on that one. I think that was when is uh, getting the pep talk from Spock. Yeah. All those lines bummed me out. I'm just pointing out the but that's all because it's being written in twenty twenty two with the emphasis of we have to write this for modern audiences. We need to ditch the yoke of classic well, writing. I think
1: it's fine if it actually succeeds in making Star Trek more accessible to younger generations.
0: So this is why I'm glad you are my co host, Kristen, <laughs> because you are a person in the world. And I'm a sick Star Trek freak. And <laughs> yeah. I swear to everything, I am not clutching a Bible of Old Testament that I think things need to strictly adhere to. I am looking at this from the perspective of why is it constructed this way and what purpose does it serve? To your point, if this draws in people, what does it matter? That's fine, but what are they selling once you've got them in the door?
1: Well, I mean, they probably are interested in seeing the other series, right? Isn't that the whole
0: point? Well, if you're sitting around for an hour because you got in because it's like I like when people say really, <laughs> then what like, are you offering I, them? I, mean, <laughs> I,
1: I it doesn't bum me out certainly, and it doesn't bother me the way it does you. I think that like certain things of like take your foot off the gas of that of that one, like that is would have been such a f- antiquated way of saying anything, like. Any kind of railroad slang today, I mean, that's what it would probably be like. But we actually have trains still. Like, they don't really have cars, do they?
0: I mean, not really. No, no.
1: (laughs) Maybe, I don't know, maybe a throttle or whatever. whatever. But yeah, like, stuff that, like, trying to predict speech and parlance and even the cadence in which people would speak in the future that far in the future is, is difficult.
0: I agree. I, I agree. So like
1: I don't see like you can make it more for you can make it like the next generation or the original series. Or, or even Deep Speak like any of those. And I think that's fine too, but I get like I I'm not gonna fault the writers because that sounds to me like a like a network thing. Like a I, network note. Yeah. So there's like, like that's I see the other the part the worst network notes.
0: Yes, that's the thing, that's the other part of this always. Not nine times out of 10, but pro- definitely more than half the time when there's something that I'm going to say this for the entire audience, which is um, which is how confident I am in this, because we all have different tastes, we all have different things we like and there's something and something that you like, but then there's something a part of it that you don't like more than half the time. That was a note that they had to mm-hmm. do <laughs> yeah. because but but I guess to my point of like, keep it hip, keep it young, appeal to 18 to 25 or 18 to 30 or whatever. And I think it's working, which is great. My point is there's a way to do that where it doesn't feel like you're just doing it to do it. And to me, it feels like they're trying very hard to keep their thumb down on the, this is so cool button of that. It kind of, they lose the thread of what they're supposed to be doing, which is telling a compelling story because half the time when they're saying stuff like this, it doesn't go anywhere. So let's talk about the dinner scene. Why did they choose to start the second episode of your 10 episode series that you're spending 15 million dollars an episode on, to start the episode with this captain's dinner where we get a legacy mm-hmm. character telling her sob story. Why do you think that was what they chose to do? I don't know. Yeah, this is why I thought it's like they tried to set the vibe. So I think this is a setup for the vibe. And then it's like, what was the purpose of that what were they trying to get and what it all
1: read well, to again, i think it's just trying to make everybody like really establish who the characters are to each other but i don't think it it succeeds in that way
0: yeah i think there's a way to establish who these characters are without them having to sit on a stool and profess some something bad about them like something their, their innermost thoughts there's a way to do it in action and by by motion um Twice.
1: I up until this episode, I thought Captain Pike was a slightly more interesting man than to ask what, where do you see yourself in ten years? Which is like the most played out job interview question on earth to the point where like it's so cliche. If you get asked that in an interview, you should probably just run.
0: And and that ten years question, it definitely seemed like generic. It 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 hurt. It was tough because I'm a big Anson mount as Pike fan, and it's like. That's some generic ass manager talk. Mm-hmm. Out of his I mouth,
1: I think. I think they're trying to do a little bit of telling, not showing, because then you have like Rebecca Roman. Sorry, I don't remember her character's name again. I don't remember any of his character's name. No one else. No one was introduced again. Number one. Um, number Luna, one. You can say number one. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I've heard you ask cadets that a million times, but this time you seem kind of weird. Like, uh, please don't tell me this is part of his character he asked this question of everybody jesus christ (laughs) no please please
0: i have two more which are not um old man clutching a bible even though i really feel like i'm not but do you have any more of its time no (laughs) okay so the enterprise moving around like it's in a video game or it's the millennium falcon doing the barrel rolls oh that's true can't do but it's it's very much like of its time where it's like who cares who cares who cares just looks cool just do it yeah um but i think it's almost copied very similarly to a millennium falcon shot in um in uh rise of rise of what's the rise, rise of, of skywalker force the force awakens jeez force of, i know which one you're talking <laughs> i think there's like a barrel roll shot from the first star wars mm-hmm. but anyway the enterprise doing a barrel roll is, is absurd um it complete whatever then the other one is the the shepherd character and shepherd captain being a fully cg character
1: I think Mm -hmm.
0: is uh, is an of its time one because we have the technological ability to do like either a motion capture performance or whatever I don't think it I thought part of it when I first saw it when I first watched all these episodes I'm watching them at midnight when they debut that's how voracious I am when it comes Mm -hmm. to Star Trek but I'm also a little tired (laughs) it's been a long day so now watching it with a clear head I'm like I liked it at the time, and now I see it. It just looks a lot like a PlayStation 5
1: cutscene. Are you able to sleep after that? I think that you'd be so incensed or something. <laughs> Depending on
0: how incensed the episode is, it can't keep me awake. That's true. That is very true. That's it's like a bad it's, idea. It's, uh, I, agree. I, I agree. I just
1: thought, like, back when I used to watch The Walking Dead, I had to stop watching it. Um, on Sunday nights? Yeah, because yeah. I would have dreams about zombies and it would keep me awake all night.
0: Well, a lot of mine is like hard to sleep. I'm like, why did they do that? Why was that the choice? <laughs> uh, but so the CGI character being of its time because it's something they can do. So that's a positive. And then I think it was it worked out okay. But I would have liked like with the aliens on the planet, I would have liked to see a little bit more if you have the the intention of creating CGI situations like that a thing we've seen on star trek a thousand times right where there are you know 700 times or so where they're talking to an alien and we see the alien on the screen but then because of budget they can't like recreate a full bridge right so we can't see the other people on the bridge they could in cgi theoretically they could have seen the whole ship and interior there i'm not sure it's something they do again in the first season um and maybe just because the story didn't dictate it but it'll be interesting to see if they bring back this conception of talking to aliens on ships later the line must be drawn here great lines
1: um so captain pike says i'm starting to like the mustache and kirk says you should try one yourself is this foreshadowing brian does he get a mustache no he does not it's
0: just the hair gets higher it's taller
1: thank thank christ okay But he says this in the middle of a pretty serious conversation, so it's kind of out of place, but okay. Um, That's the
0: show going out of its way to it
1: every moment, undercut every serious
0: moment with a joke so that no one gets bored. Yeah. So it's supposed to be appealing to 18 to 25 or 30 year olds, but it's written for like eight year olds. So, <laughs> Cause the question before the mustache was, Hey, Xeno anthropologist, have you ever seen a civilization established on a comet? before or an asteroid and he says no i haven't and that's it <laughs> and then and then we get into the mustache talk but i mean you could if you were really interested as a sci- show you know thinly about science you could be like that doesn't mean no i haven't but that doesn't mean this wasn't like a part of a planet that got blown off and yeah. the people survived and built a civilization or an alien race uh, established one here it could mean a lot of things we just don't know but nope mustache so <laughs>
1: yeah um and then kirk says yahtzee and then um spock says yes i am familiar with yahtzee lieutenant in a very disdainful way i'm sure all the 18 to 34 year olds watching are so intimately familiar with a game that i haven't played the last time i played was probably with my grandmother 15 years ago
0: that's the tricky part, right? Because it's like, okay, they're clearly writing for a younger audience, but it's also being written by older people. So then it's like, you get yeah. these weird references. It's clearly written yeah. by like 50 uh-huh. year olds.
1: Um, <laughs> and then I think I already said this one, but um, was that your version of a pep talk? Yes, I have been working on them. <laughs> and that is all for me. There was some other stuff about, bad things go bad you can laugh at them or whatever but um
0: so that's like a a line that gets bookended um Mm
1: -hmm. at the beginning and then called back yeah okay what about you brian none
0: moving on none wow
1: (laughs) oh boy okay (laughs) i
0: wrote down all the the lines i didn't like (laughs) that's yeah
1: (laughs) Um, the Anton Karadzic award for best performance. I'm giving it to Celia Rose Gooding who plays Uhura because I think it's really difficult to sing and hum on screen. For me personally, so She's just...
0: a, she has a beautiful voice and yeah, she but has like a...
1: that's still tough, I think. Yeah.
0: And she has a really um, I was gonna say vibe again, but I like her screen presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the reason why I'm I'm I agree with you, but the reason why I put her on the list was because of the laugh she gives at the captain's table. When Pike's telling the joke that you, the anecdote with the humorous ending that you Mm -hmm. tuned you you zoned out on her laugh was authentic, but it was also really big, but it was so authentic. It's, it made me think of that Wayne's world part where uh, Mike Myers is laughing so hard and authentically because Penelope Spears, the director actually uh, took that laugh from something else that Dana Carvey had said sort of, riffing. That wasn't at the actual line that was used in the moment. So he was reacting to something else. So it seems like she was maybe reacting to something else, but it was <laughs> a good laugh. It was like a good, it, it was not so over the top where I'm like, this is a Julia Roberts laugh. Ah, this ah, is, ah, ah, <laughs> it, it was, uh, it was chill. So mainly for that. She had a lot to do in the episode. I don't know if the material was like up to the challenge, but she was, she was great with what she was given. The Shatner, um, Spock sideburns. <laughs> i just don't get it they look like they've been tattooed onto his temple i mean they don't look natural they look like that little handlebar mustache that twee people used to print on their oh, index yeah, finger yeah. and then put over their upper lips do people still yeah. do that please god don't tell oh, god. tell me they don't do it don't seems like so. a very a thing that a lot of people at buzzfeed would do so they're like <laughs> maybe we'll do that on the sideburns any any nominees for you
1: shepherd slash space monk
0: the not ri- the not person you thought the computer yeah. guy was going for it this is it? the okay. second
1: time i've given it to a cgi character
0: <laughs> your so your general opinion of the unca- uh, uncanny valley is <laughs> yeah. trying too
1: hard <laughs> yeah uh so yeah i gave it to those googly gooks on our um, enterprise <laughs> that i didn't know were fake what part are they te- of this? Are they, what part of this are they teaching at Starfleet Academy? Well, at least the evasive piloting maneuvers that Ortegas is named after herself, right? I would think.
0: Yeah, I'm just gonna go with that because I don't have one. <laughs>
1: or like, don't <laughs> f- with those shepherds. They're they're crazy. The space yeah. monks.
0: Yeah, I mean, to to me, this just throws in the whole idea of what does Starfleet Academy teach into question. <laughs> this episode alone it's like what a cadet almost has no business going on that landing party mission
1: yeah it's
0: dangerous i mean another way of doing it was if this just was a purely observation mission of the asteroid then they would have done enough research to say it's safe enough to take a landing party down there maybe we can risk her because we don't perceive any jeopardy right and then they also, go down like, there and something happens.
1: That is would it make sense. safer to send just one person at first and then be like, it's fine.
0: I mean, listen, it's still a drama and they have to come up with like it's safer to send a probe. Although True. that's where the, even before the shields snap up, it could get closer mm-hmm. uh, like recon or scanning of it. So Yeah. Hmm. Maybe that's what they're teaching at Starfleet Academy. It's like, you know what might maybe get closer. <laughs> inspect it try try a little yeah. more before you're sending human capital or living capital out there to sorry i reviewed the people yep. as capital that's definitely in the line but before you mm-hmm. send the, the the people that run your ship out there how yeah. would the predecessor show slash captain handle this um so it's star trek discovery and kristen i know you're not deeply familiar with discovery mm-hmm. but do you want to hazard a guess or or you no, you're with... supposed
1: to go first so i'll uh, do it after you okay <laughs> so star trek discovery
0: i think this would be exactly the same i think tilly would be ohura and for or because in this episode the solve is music which we then lead into then there's a whole gobbledygook about i was able to use the notes to change them into math because all music is math mm-hmm. And I was able to determine blah, blah, blah. Who gives a shit? And uh, like, literally, I didn't give a shit. But but in Star Trek Discovery, uh, Ensign Tilly literally was the character and the actor who was tasked with saying, this is the power of math, people. Come on. So yeah. she would have turned music into math and, and figured it out. But she would have had a lack of confidence. And that would have been Burnham on there on the rock with her instead of spock so it would just been exactly the same you just kind of control f find replace the character names i guess the shepherd thing might have been a little bit different with saru it depends on who's the captain at the time of discovery maybe if it's the new one Burnham's the captain she's probably doing the same thing but i don't yeah to me it didn't strike me as being something that's outside of discovery's wheelhouse so
1: no i think i agree with you with my limited experience of discovery But um, if it is Captain Kirk, though, he's definitely going on the asteroid.
0: Yeah. So great that you brought it up. It seems to me that the modern audiences and even the people working on the show, there's kind of like um, people don't like Captain Kirk. They think he's a pig. Um, I think I've said this before. Mm -hmm. And so everyone hates Kirk. I think a lot of that's tied into William Shatner. Most people under a certain age just think he's a pig and gross and whatever. Fine. That's totally fine, by the way. You can think whatever you want to think. I think what that leads into is just ignoring what the character is. So, a lot of that is tied into what the next generation fixed, quote unquote. Why would the captain go on away missions? And I think over time, it's kind of the new Star Trek, it's kind of the retcon has been this was just a Kirk thing, that it was Kirk's decision to do this, but this was not policy. And to me, a way of flipping all that, so you're, because you're, if the goal is to diminish Kirk as much as possible, which I think that's what they're doing. For whatever reason, you know, and I think it's fine if you want to do that. Here's the way to do that. That makes perfect sense. And they're just letting it hang there. If Captain Pike knows exactly what's going to happen to him, then there's no fear in any of these episodes. So why isn't Mm -hmm. he going on all these missions? Because he knows he's (laughs) not going to die in them. And then and so then it would set the precedent for the Enterprise Captain. So when Kirk takes over, he's not coming up with something on Mm. his own. He's honoring Captain Pike. So doesn't isn't that an idea that like fits the generational divide over Kirk that he's a piece of shit? Yeah. And, and but it also ties in your your Pike story about he knows his fate, so why wouldn't he take more risks for himself? So it's just the whole thing with Pike is weird. He knows all the people who are going to be hurt in this accident or that he saves from this accident. And so it rather than accept his fate, he's going to try to prevent them from being there at all to be in the accident i think it dilutes the whole thing it's a weird idea
1: um also can we talk about how weird it is that he can bring up the files of the people he's gonna save like what kind of privacy laws are there in the future none apparently and they're yes. kids
0: the fact that the inner so the enterprise computer library computer having a lot of information over the course of star trek history has always been fun to me to like watch me like i guess i could see that they'd have all the earth classics you know what i mean like i guess i could see that they'd contain all human knowledge that makes sense yeah like
1: published works Not give me the dossier on a child exactly
0: exactly right (laughs) so when when that came up i'm like this is bumping for me because at the very least this is something that they would have to send requests right from a federation database and so the episode ends with pike looking at these names of these kids these cadets that he's going to save in the future which we'll find out is for a selfish goal of preventing his destiny, right? Which is stupid. Mm-hmm. It's very modern. But here the episode begins with Ohura giving a log entry and talking about her experiences. And so the episode is kind of presumptively about Ohura. And it doesn't yeah. end with her. Yeah. So wouldn't it wouldn't have a logical thing to have been of Kirk or Pike calling Ohura on the bridge, saying, uh, can you set me up with access to the Federation database and get me a list? I need all the information, all the citizen information with these names you and I'll use my, and then he'll use his access code when he gets it. But you know I'm mean? like? And then he, ha- and then the episode essentially hands it off to her and she gets the final grace note where mm-hmm. it's like, there's that darkness, but then we hand it off to her and she's just happy to be there now. And it's yeah. just weird that they did it that way. Ugh. Trek, marry or kill. <laughs>
1: Uh, okay. Um, I don't hate this episode as much as you do, so I don't know. I'm I'm having a hard time. Um, I think I know what you're gonna say though.
0: No, I'm fighting it so hard. Okay. Uh 'cause because I I had when I watched it, I thought, uh, whatever. And I like the two things I said I liked at the beginning. I really like for what you said. You would have. Who would have thought of? That? <laughs> space monks protesting a comet
1: it's <laughs> never in a million goddamn years so i you know i'll give it a soft track because i found it i mean it's not something that's been done before on star trek as far as i can i mean we've had um comets we've had weird uh religious culty aliens but we, we never put them together before have we a no. satiate comet that has the power to grant life or death to anything in no to civilizations throughout the universe interesting so i'll go go for it
0: and the way it's written there's an implication that there are other mahanids yeah
1: and that it's it's no it's all knowing and it knew spock was going to do what he was going to do and that's wild
0: so originally i was going to give this a soft kill like not a guillotining or uh death by firing like a, squad. Like a lethal injection <laughs> yeah. or just like sitting in the garage with carbon monoxide i don't know uh, or uh, like <laughs> a fentanyl like... <laughs> a fentanyl od or something i don't know um but i i guess uh, also i just have to factor in like i am clearly in the mi- minority most of the people who saw this star trek fans not star trek fans like it and uh so i guess i gotta give it a soft trek as well which is a bummer because there's a just lot more
1: just not to be con- contrary. I mean,
0: I'm like, what am I fighting against? It. I got the, I liked the last, I liked the solve.
1: That's good. Did the it, visuals the, were good. Did the dialogue really bum you out though? It really or bummed me out. really it's, bummed you out? Like I don't you know, were sad about it and not just like, oh, this could have been better.
0: It bummed Yeah, it, it was, it's like that, I guess is bummed out or like a super. Well, like, you know, I doesn't... don't. I don't like feeling the hand of the people making it. And I, mm-hmm. and at least I feel very much like we're trying so hard to be cool. We're trying so hard to make this star Trek different. And so that's why I said, like you have to first couple of episodes, you're trying to figure out what it is. And it definitely does calm down as the season goes on. So there is that. So I think that's why it's like, it's a second episode. How hard do I need to be on it? Yeah. Um, and it's,
1: so that that's it i mean if you compare to the other episodes we've or have you only killed one episode so far um at least two so i've uh, done two
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's right we're still uh well we're past our voyager poll the results we're recording this before we know the results of the poll so that could be a kill um sunkatsi for voyager was also a kill um i feel like there's maybe one more but we killed the
1: next generation pilot so yeah it's not as bad as that
0: no, it's not. So that's that a, was that's a like thing. a real. Yeah. Oh, that was a hard well, kill. That was well, a was, yeah. Well, that's what I was gonna say. This was gonna be a soft kill. That was kill firing, I was firing the squad. Um, I, instead, it's a it's a soft trick, a very very lightly soft trick. Uh, but now You're I' gonna have, be bummed uh,
1: out afterwards.
0: <laughs> no, I think people will be fine with it. Most people are fine. It, again, it shows, to me. It feels like um, I can see the I can see the magician working, and it's it's not that pleasurable to me. So it's I,
1: still it's still pizza I guess is
0: yes See, say. that's it that's it's still it's still Star Trek and I recognized enough of Star Trek in it that mm-hmm. it was there. okay so Kristen special bonus question for you okay who are the children of the comet
1: <laughs> Um you know um, I guess we're all the children of the comet possibly.
0: The people writing the show are, are incredibly smart and they also are experienced and they know, they know what they're doing in terms of making television. We, the audience, I think, are the children of the comet. Mahanit, now I'm getting my conspiracy cap in. M, <gasps> M apostrophe H A N I T. Well, three of those letters share the sit- initials of Henry Alonzo Myers, the writer of the episode. Ah. And if you think about it as the comet or the comet being, um, I don't know, the show. And the shepherds being the people shepherding the show through and the people on the original enterprise freaking out about it is the message not, why don't you viewer have some trust in us and we'll get us to where we're going to go. And it can be happy with it at the end. Hmm. Uh, is there a possibility of a meta commentary here? I think so.
1: Possibly, but I, I, I'm, I don't know enough about the workings of the show behind the scenes to be able to endorse that or not. I am too ignorant of the workings so I cannot agree or disagree <laughs> <laughs> that's fine I'll take I'm your just, word for it I'll you did say it's the
0: audience so I'm like okay yeah. so you have some some tingling sensation of maybe yes we're... I
1: think it's like it, it's supposed to be everyone
0: okay if you including have been enjoying our show including this one
1: <laughs> and why uh, wouldn't you yes
0: Listen, uh, go find us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five star rating, write us a review. Um, you can always at us on social media at TrekMaryKpod on Twitter and Instagram. Check us out on TrekMaryKillPod.com. That's all of our standings you can see by show uh, Treks, Marries, and Kills. Uh, until next week, TMK out. Bye.